The Business of Cannabis is brought to you by CashTech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, CashTech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call CashTech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. This is the business of cannabis. The business of cannabis is also sponsored by CashTech, a proud team of partners. CashTech's over 40 years in the cash management space has made it the nation's number one cash management service company. Call CashTech and then make sure you have the right equipment, software, and service package. Go to cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. I wish to offer you all a monster welcome to the Business of Cannabis show on the Hayes Radio Network. We pride ourselves on doing one thing above all else. We bring you the most relevant, groundbreaking, innovative business stories from the cannabis front lines, the latest in cannabis brands, services, innovations in retail, software, distribution, marketing, a hard look at the hard reality of making money in the cannabis industry. My name is Dave Skye, and I have the honor of being your host and the pleasure of meeting people who are truly on the Canada's front lines, making it happen, which means creating products and offering services, getting their hands dirty, and all of the myriad of details that go into managing a successful business. This particular episode of the Business Cannabis is all about business models. We're going to offer you two examples, completely different cannabis companies, each of which believes their model will lead to success. Uh, are they both right? Are they both wrong? Is one better than the other? Well, hold on, let me introduce them first. And, and we'll see Shiroz Marrakechi of Plaid America. It's just launched its first product called Substance. It's a 12 pack of uh, small pre-rolls. Uh, so what I hear you cry. Well, Plaid America is not just another cannabis brand. They are a company with a mission to combat racial inequality through cannabis. And they're putting their money where their mission is and they donate a set percentage of revenue to charitable organizations involved in fighting racial inequality. The question I'll put to Shiraz is why she believes this business model is going to resonate with the consumer. If it does, if this mission and the knowledge that each time you buy a substance pre-rolls, you are helping make the world a better place, and if that creates connections with enough customers, then Plaid America could have an incredibly strong brand that connects with people on a deeply emotional level. And any brand that does that is incredibly valuable. Now, if enough people don't connect emotionally, that brand is likely to fizzle. Now, our second guest is Doug Cortina, Chief Financial Officer and co-founder of the NorCal Cannabis Company. NorCal is a completely different animal. NorCal manufactures cannabis, they have multiple brands, and they, they even have a, a, a small retail footprint. Again, I, I, so what I hear you say? Just another vertical player. Well, not really, because they've self-declared that they are focused on profit, not revenue, which means they're, not, they're never going to chase the market. They're going to be super focused on costs and only develop popular brands and focus on product categories that provide margin. That means sacrificing growth. 
Not a lot of companies have been doing that lately, or up till now. Now, is that a winning strategy? Well, others race by them and gobble up market share, shutting NorCal out of the market. So by the time NorCal gets around to, to, to it, uh, they're out. It will it de uh, destine NorCal to be a minor cannabis player. Or does their focus mean they'll have a more solid foundation for success and that that discipline will prevail in the long, long run? Now, don't ask me. You don't need to. We can ask Doug Cortina and as Chief Strategy Officer of NoCal. I'll, I'll assume I'll have an answer. After that, stay tuned as I invite Matt Cook back, my regular co-host, as we evaluate these two business models and try and determine the chances that each will be successful. Like, can a business model and a charitable model work together in one company? Can a cannabis company thrive in today's environment when it eschews growth in exchange for profit? Well, we're going to find out in this show, or at least shed some light on these issues. I'm Dave Sky, your host, and you are listening to The Business of Cannabis. I am uh, very excited to talk to our next guest, Shiroz Makarechi from Plat America. Uh, Shiroz, a longtime veteran in the cannabis game, going back to the early days of 2013, which seems like another lifetime ago in cannabis, helping companies with medicinal licenses, had a concept called uh, Gage back in 2017. So it's a brand inspired by what Louis Armstrong used to call cannabis, which I've learned. Licensing tripped things up a little bit, so she decided to do something for herself and in 2020 launched Plat America, a company dedicated to improving a racial equality through cannabis. Uh, the first brand is called Substance, which we're going to talk about today, a pre-roll uh, package. Uh, and for every uh, pack of 12 pre-rolls sold, Plat will donate $8.46 um, to a charity. And, uh, and there are more brands to, to follow. So let's get the whole story from a self-proclaimed compassionate capitalist. Shiraz, welcome to the business of cannabis. Thank you so much, David. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so give me that give me that overview of a Plat America business model, um, and what is this this ethical framework that that sort of drives everything? Uh, well, Plat America is a house of benevolent brands. Uh, my co-founder and I describe ourselves as creative entrepreneurs. His name's Simon Davies. Um, we are creative entrepreneurs in business to propel racial equity. It's a very specific thing. That's our mission statement. Like, and I, I, I will give credit to Yvonne Schnard of uh, Patagonia for being an influence on me. You know, Patagonia's uh, mission statement is um, we're in business to save our home planet. And how succinct and clear that vision was, um, was, was literally where our mission statement comes from. Like, how do you, how do you get down to the core of things? And then how do you execute on that vision. Um, so one of our ethos is reparations through cannabis, and that's where substance comes in. Um, we have a whole lot of thinking that's gone into how will a house of benevolent brands come to life and how can it have real impact um, using our skills, which are essentially branding, advertising, and storytelling and right. uh, through, through, through media. So um, did I answer that question? Should I go on? You did. No, you did. And it's cool um, because there's nothing wrong with a business just being a business. It's, it's fine. But it's something cool about a business uh, wrapped around 
a framework. Um, yeah. So that's a good lead into to talk about substance. Before I do though, flat America. What does what what is with that? Because that sounds like a purposeful name. Doesn't it sound is. like a name you just just made it up. Is. So what's the story there? It is. Let me. Then we'll know, get into me, substance. It. Yeah. But let, you know, I um, I'm um. I'm sort of, ex I'm so excited that this is how you wanted to start a conversation because I've had multiple conversations about just uh, uh, substance, but you're the first actually who's talking to me about Plat America. So let me, let me actually um, tell you one more thing. Like, the, you know, we have what we call in Plat America um, standards of behavior, right? Like this is, this is where our ethos comes from. And the very first one is, um, no zero sum thinking, people over profits. And this is like something that has to do with the fact that every societal ill, like no matter where you live, like what we're dealing with, um, we truly believe that it could be healed through compassionate capitalism because capitalism is our best tool to use to do anything. Like this is the world we live in. So now how do we make it so that it's part of, having real right. impact, mitigate the destructive elements and yeah. emphasize the potential to use it clearly as clearly efficient to, ben, right right to use it as a tool to, which to, is to complex obviously yeah and, and so and I'll, I'll give credit to um killer mike for that term because a lot of people say conscious capitalism and i'll I, take I credit for yourself stop giving credit to other people you just okay, okay. Credit i'll take for credit it. for myself too because like <laughs> because because compassion is to me compassion is not it's passion, but it also requires some level of anger at where we are, you know, right. okay. and, and, and this, and, and I can tell you from personal experience, which we'll get into in substance. It's like this, uh, this notion of working towards racial equity, you know, is, is a very serious thing for us. We truly think like everyone will benefit if there's more consciousness around how we're behaving in business. Um, and, and and so the, the you know the next one is less waste more joy we think that's like a good one you know Yvonne Chouinard's again you know like I, I, but but practicing not greenwashing like how do you do that right. um, and then this is the one that's important for your business focused uh, audiences whoever is listening but like more is more like we need to sell a lot of product. Like we have this like incredible donation model that we'll get into and, and we'll have different donation models for every brand that we work on and every project we do will go through the lens of how are we doing good and making money. But the, the, the most benevolent thing we could do is sell a lot of product right. <laughs> all the time, continuously, right. perpetually. And that's, right. you know, that's never going to be lost on us. And it's only after that third ethos that we get to reparations through cannabis, which is where substance comes in, because that's where we started. We were like, how can we make a little bit of a splash and say we're serious about what we're doing? And also, I love cannabis. It's part of my worldview. I truly feel like it's a good right. thing in the world and it's a healing plant. And I despise the fact that it's been used to criminalize black and brown people. Right. And so that's where we started. And, that's and the plaid America is a world without color kind of thing. What's, oh, what's the I idea behind no, plaid? The reason it's called plaid is because, and you will be seeing it um, probably 
end of the year. You you can go to the website, Plan America, and see what the reason we've actually listed it there. We've designed an original plaid that's made of all the skin tones because we love them all. Ah, very nice. There you go. So it's that's so a great name. That is a great. It's name. a little bit of a. It's almost like a command, like plaid the fuck up, America. Like it's right. <laughs> like plaid I like that. America, you know, and I think I sort of got it. it. You know, it's like not. It's let's focus sorry, on what's real. No, sorry, not, I cursed. Come, sorry, I cursed. It's okay. Cursing's allowed. Sorry about that. Um, like, well, let's get into cat. Let's get into the yeah. substance of it. So, um, so. as a, a cheesy way to digress. Uh-huh. So what is the, let's start with substance. I know you have other things uh, cooking, yeah. but what's substance? substance? Describe this brand. So substance is the product itself is a 12 pack of premium pre-rolls. They're premium because we uh, source whole flour, single strain from Sun and Earth certified farms, or we, we really want to do everything as correctly as possible, supporting the farms and making sure everything's pesticide free. Um, So that's where the premium comes from. 12 pack, it's the smallest 12 pack in the world. Um, We made 12 individual size pre-rolls and put them in the smallest pack um, of of multi-packs available. You could actually see it. It's a, it's, I don't know, it's three, four, four inches kind of thing. Oh, no, no, no. It's smaller than that. It's smaller than than a business card. It is smaller than a business card. It's a cute little, uh, it's a cute 1.7 by 2.7. And there's a sort of a Spock, a, a person holding a, a, a Spock fingers. How come that is? Well, there's three of them. Oh, I very see. Very first one, yeah. The very okay. first one is uh, the Truth to Power Fist. Okay. Cool. Um, and and in California, a lot of people recognize the blue box with uh, you know, like they see it from far away. It's like, and and almost everyone who sees it is like, I didn't realize how small it was. And that's that's the thinking around the product. It's it's part of why we we're in market because it was very important to me to bring a product to market that uh, that can live alongside everything else that's already in the market. So we've got a fist, we've got a peace sign, and we've got the Spock live long and prosper. It is. That's very cool. Exactly now, uh, uh, tell me why the obvious question, why the, why that format, why that uh, small, when you say I, small, it's like, I guess the size of each pre-roll it, is the size of each pre-roll is 0.28. Okay. Um, it's this, so dog walkers, people call, you know, some people know the smaller. Oh, oh point, okay, of course. Right? right. Those are 0.3s or 0.35s. So we literally make the smallest joint in the market and okay. we put it in the smallest 12 pack because right. I truly believe this is part of positive behavior change. I think if we're going to talk about normalization, we need to talk about that which is palatable to all the people who are curious about cannabis, as opposed to only the people who love it already and want right. to smoke a big fat blunt, like right. the size of an egg roll, you know? Right. Those people are great and I love them <laughs> and they're part of my community too. But how do we, you know, how do we, and, and then how can it be discreet and how can it be easy to share? So in designing the product, I literally, the R&D, I was like, I want to be open, able to open this pack with my non-dominant hand and offer a friend a joint. That was my that was my Sounds test of how am okay. I going to do how am I going to do this packaging so that even with my non dominant hand I could pull it out of my pocket and, and offer just, a friend to join because there's cool. twelve of them so right. they're designed to share with more to spare gotcha. especially on the go because gotcha. you're always going to have people who are going to roll their own joints and want to pass the joint around this is 
for when you actually want to share the pack, not the joint. Who do you think is the dem? Is it fair to ask? Who do you think is the demographic for this? I, or I, is it, you know, is that even a fair question? I don't know. I think I think I think we're going to continue to learn because we're still a relatively new brand. We're going to continue to learn like where we're leaning. But like a lot of um, a lot of women um, have sort of showed an interest in how small it is, how it fits in the purses, uh, how it can be. They they literally say it's cute. Now this is not a word I was looking to looking for, hear, but like, but it definitely it's not not cute. cute. It's not. It's I saw, if yeah. you can see and the it, package, it's a nice powdery blue, a nice blue. It is. And, we are let me. We are talking to Shiroz Macarechi from Plat America, uh, learning all about a new brand called Substance, um, uh, and and some of the marketing and thinking that went behind it. Pretty cool. Um, I'm going to ask you, I didn't plan on asking this, but I'm going to jump in and question comes to mind. Is it, it's a bit of a stereotype that women don't have the same relationship with cannabis or it is, what's your feeling of that? Like, why would you think women would want a, a less cannabis? Oh, you know, I didn't finish my thought on that. I don't think it's just women. Um, in our case, it also has to do with anyone who is curious about how we got here right because if you see a black fist on a tiffany blue box which by the way it stands out right sure. it's it's very you want to know what's yeah. going on you want right. to know what's going on right? right and so it's not it's not just women it's anyone okay. who usually people that are interested in cannabis are also interested in social justice this is just a fact because because you've right. had to sort of you know think about your relationship with uh, law enforcement you're you're mm. a law-abiding citizen in every aspect of your life, and then suddenly you have to sneak around to smoke a joint. Like this is something that sure. the government of the U.S. has trained the majority of the population to to, to sort of. Uh, it's like going back to the '30s when we they had to sneak yeah. into a speakeasy to get a drink. It's exactly, and now suddenly, exactly. prohibitions ended. Exactly. For some places. And exactly. then you, exactly. you have, let me ask you quickly, not quickly, but let me ask you the $8.46 per pack. How did that's how that's obviously a specific number. So how did you arrive at that? How do you how do you deliver that? Um, the eight forty six uh, pays homage to the last eight minutes and 46 seconds of George Floyd's life. Um, we were initially look like I wanted to do something as much as, you know, I at first before it was a 12 pack, it was a 10 pack. <laughs> you, you mentioned gauge okay. at the top of the show. Right. So that was a, a 10 pack format. And I was thinking a dollar a pack, a dollar a joint. So it was going to be ten dollars. And, and that was a, a, a fancier presentation. So so a lot of iterations. It was. um it was May of 2020 when the number 846 became a historically important racially charged number. And so it hit us that especially because now we had a 12 pack and it makes right. sense to have a 12 so pack. The idea more, of like more, redefining right. a 12 pack, you know, like I, 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 at that point it was like, it'll, it'll be real. We can't do a dollar because then we're not going to have the margins that we need. Can we do 846? It's still tight, but we can do it. Um, and then I did a lot of research where I asked people, is this triggering? If this number, if right. this number going to trigger trauma and 
it was I uh, one of my advisors is a social worker, um, and she happens to be married to someone that was formerly incarcerated, and she said that's amazing, and uh, you just made all the hairs on my arm stand up. Amazing, that's um, quite a and pretty. So, yeah. and, and I was like, I I needed to do some logic testing around this before printing it on the back of the box because we're very specific. Like the back okay. of our boxes says we donate eight forty six to help end mass incarceration, amazing. which hmm. which is which is the beginning. The you know mass incarceration is a big thing, but it falls into this purview of propelling racial equity really beautifully and connects to cannabis because the war on drugs ex exacerbated mass incarceration. In, in the U.S. Sure. Uh, well, I mean, marketing 101 stand out. So there's nothing wrong with being provocative. You just have to wear it. It's, I'm guessing you're wearing it proudly. So that's cool. But uh, certainly, you know, uh, I'm all stands, in, man. You know, <laughs> I am all in. Like, this you is can't my deny what's going on here. You can't you can't this wash is... it. So the demographic will will play itself out. Tell me uh, we don't have a ton of time left. Tell me uh, who. Like you said, here are the principles and ending mass incarceration. But in practice, are there particular organizations you've already uh, yes. identified? So tell, take us through that. So yes, you, yes. So finish the circle. I will. I mean, well, the circle is going to take. I mean, I, I'm going to go really fast on this one because I got to tell you about the House of Benevolent Brands because Substance is the first of a series of brands, each with with their own donation models. So Substance, um, our very first uh, core beneficiary is an organization called Impact Justice, and our model is a commitment to donating to people that are already doing the work as opposed to setting up a foundation where we and take the money from, and then right. later decide how it's deployed. We right. immediately, once once we've been paid by dispensaries and delivery services, um, that 846 comes off of every unit that we've been we've sold and been paid for and goes to impact justice. Now, the other thing we do is we allow our uh, retailers to suggest additional beneficiaries. So if there's a local organization or like something specifically that's meaningful to the people that are working with us, who we sort of um, with a lot of endearment call people of substance, we ask them to tell us who else should we donate to. Right. And, and that's cool. So there's an organic element to it as well, yeah, as yeah. opposed to the purposeful yeah. one. Which but is I, cool over time. I do have to tell you one thing. Like we have a second brand coming to market this fall. Okay. I was gonna ask that because you're yeah. hinting at it. So what's yeah. coming this fall, Sharoz? <laughs> yeah, it is. And so like so, uh, so I'm so, seeing so three new packs. Called, yeah, what's it called? Yeah, this one's called Skewville, and it is a collaboration with um artists in New York. And the monies from this one will support art programs in prison. So on the on the back of this pack, you see a hand. It's a graphic. These are street artists, and so it's a it's a very dynamic looking building that happens to be smoking. And on the back, there's a hand holding a joint, but it's actually a pencil because we heard time and again that so many of people that that are incarcerated, if they didn't have that pen to write with, if they didn't have that pencil to draw with, they would have never made it to the other side. And recidivism rates go down from sixty percent to five percent for prisoners who participate in the arts. So Amazing. same yeah. size as substance, same size box. We're, you know, we're doubling down, tripling down on this 12 pack. Gotcha. We truly believe the form factor is what's going to get people used to seeing and, and behaving in, in what we believe is, is positive behavior of 
smoking less more often, you know, and if you need more, you got more. Right, you, right. Buy another one. Yeah. Buy, buy 12, 12 packs. <laughs> uh, very quickly, uh, is there a difference in terms of the brands, in terms of their taste or feel or um, yes, um, we will do. We're doing our best to work with as many farms as possible, so we don't have just one source of flour. So you will get different strains, and okay. also the donation models help us to maintain this model because they have different donation models. Like with the art programs, it'll build on the eight forty six, but it'll be two dollars a pack. And this okay. way, we can we can manage we can manage to keep this business going robustly you know we we want to scale so that we can raise serious amounts of money that is our that is our okay well that that we're gonna have to uh talk about this some more i'm gonna have to have you back on the show oh that'd be and great we'll talk about serious amounts of money <laughs> which is definitely a business topic well because you know, for uh, we us have, uh, like yeah. the more the more we sell the more we raise that's that's you. why that's why right. i bring that up um thank Shiroz uh founder, CEO of Plaid America. I will direct you to a few uh, places uh, to get some more information. Uh, PlaidAmerica.com, which is pretty straightforward. Also, CaliforniaSubstance.com. And if you're an Instagram user, go to Substance underscore USA. And uh, that should, and then after that, go to, in, I believe in California is the first place you're launching, right? Exactly. Yeah, so in if you're in California, California, get out there and get your substance and pretty soon you're skewable and enjoy it. Awesome. Thank you so uh, much, David. Thank you very much for your time. I really enjoyed meeting you. Um, uh, and we'll be back with more of The Business of Cannabis. The Business of Cannabis is brought to you by Cashtech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cashtech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call CashTech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. This is the business of cannabis. The business of cannabis is also sponsored by CashTech. A proud team of partners, that's over 40 years in the cash management space, has made it the nation's number one cash management service company. Call CashTech, and then make sure you have the right equipment, software, and service package. Go to cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. And welcome back to the Business of Cannabis. Uh, Doug Cortina, a co-founder, former CEO, and current strategic board director of NorCal Cannabis Company, um, which cultivates, processes, packages, distributes. Um, they produce over 12 tons of cannabis a year, impressive number, multiple brands, uh, and they even operate uh, three uh, retail locations to boot because they have their board. Uh, they've announced a pivot, and this is interesting, to a more profit-focused company, as I mentioned at the top of the show, um, as opposed to simply being like high growth. Um, and as strategic board director, I have a feeling Doug's been at the whiteboard planning uh, some of that. Um, now, before NorCal, uh, Doug was in the real estate uh, game, um, and then he even spent some wasted years in banking in NYC. Uh, but he's in sunny, sunny California now, in, in my opinion, one of the most interesting businesses in the world. Doug, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here, David. Uh, why don't we just uh, give me a little sort of 
overview, brief overview of the NorCal origin story. Sure. So we, we trace our origin back to uh, 2015. Uh, that was the first time we hired any employees, raised any capital, uh, and we started uh, with a, a fairly small indoor cultivation facility that we developed in San Francisco. Uh, my background prior to, to co-founding NordCal, as you mentioned, I was, I was developing real estate uh, in San Francisco and, and prior to that banking. And it was through the lens of, of, of being okay. a real estate developer that I initially approached the space. Um, this was in 2014. Hmm. Uh, at the time, I, I felt like it was a little early to enter the, the business as a, as a pure play developer, um, but saw a tremendous amount of opportunity. So uh, I applied to start what was eventually, I think, one of the first, if not the first, uh, you know, municipality approved uh, delivery only dispensary. Uh, we work with the health department and the planning department in San Francisco to get that license category approved. And this was 2014. Right. As soon as we applied to do that and we wanted to vertically integrate, you know, at that time, the only product category that was really sold in California was unbranded flour. So right. we had the view that if we could cultivate as well, uh, it would be sort of end to end and we, we, we'd be able to stack margin. Uh, I have no background whatsoever in agriculture and, uh, you know, was fortunate uh, to meet my, my co-founder, Jigger Patel. And it was really 2015 that we came together. Both Jigger and I were, uh, okay. were working on separate but similar projects uh, in San Francisco. Uh, we decided to work together. And, and that's when we raised capital, uh, hired, and we had like six employees when we launched. So that was back in 2015. Obviously, the company scaled and gone through a lot of different iterations since then. But that's the that's sort of the the. the launch point of, of NorCal as you said. See, yeah. see you had that big hole in your business plan, which was like, you know, actually making something. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Like, yeah. We'll have details. Don't worry yeah, about yeah. it. We'll, we'll figure it out, right? Yeah, yeah. but very we'll complex retail strategy uh, <laughs> yeah. and our, our real estate strategy. Uh, so let's jump into it. Give us an, because I know it's, it's, a lar it's a fairly big company. Mm -hmm. Take us through sort of your brand portfolio. Yeah, so um, today we have... Uh, really three flower brands. Um, and it's sort of the, the approach is sort of good, better, and best. Uh, our, our best selling brand is Lolo. Um, hmm. we, we created it like two, three years ago. And, you know, what we found as we did a bit of research on the space and really looked at the demographics of, you know, who was using cannabis in California, what was motivating their purchase behavior. And what we found is that you know, the, the overwhelming majority of consumers really were not focused on brand. What they were focused on was value, quality, and, and effectively pricing and consistency, right? And so with that knowledge, uh, and also given the fact that NorCal is one of the, the more efficient indoor cultivators, we took the view that if we put out a quality product and we did that consistently and we priced it fairly over time, we build real loyalty with consumers. And uh, if you look at the evolution of well, it's not a groundbreaking. Um, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> you know, but yeah, it's interesting. Think, it's interesting you're saying something that is uh, maybe intuitive in yeah, any business actually is proving to be your most successful product. You're absolutely right, David. But I think that there was a period of euphoria uh, four or five years ago uh, where brands were raising a lot of money and spending that money on. 
you know, consumer awareness on billboards, on parties, right. with the with the idea that that was what was going to drive consumers into their store, and that was how they were going to win. And what we sort of intuitively knew from being in the market for as long as we had, but also saw in the data is no one cared about that. They want a good product. They want it priced fairly and they want it consistent. And in fact, they see through a little bit of the BS. They see through, you know, right. the brands that are promoting. Here's, a, here's a celebrity who's exactly. promoting my like, product. We're smarter yeah. than that. Right. We've been buying quality flour in California for decades and give us something that's good and, and priced fairly. And so we've been able to take that strategy and turn Lolo into what is now like the number two uh, flower brand in California. We spent, yeah, no, I was you know, just, a, I, we, we spent very little money on kind of consumer marketing. It's all been word of mouth and, and letting the product sort of speak for itself. Now, has that been your story for a while? Like when you started, mm-hmm. were you thinking, no, we've got to get a celebrity. We've got a hype. We've got to do parties or has it been a, so it has been a learning process. It's, it's uh, when we started, uh, like a lot of companies, first and foremost, we were focused on everything, right? We were we were cultivating, we were distributing, we were running retail, we had a big B2C delivery vertical. What we learned as we navigated the, the fairly challenging California cannabis market is, you know, we really are better off focusing on the things that we do best, right? And for us, that was always cultivate high-end indoor flower efficiently. And we saw that as a strategic advantage from which we could launch meaningful brands. Mm-hmm. We certainly did explore bar- brand partnerships. We, we announced a partnership with Chelsea Handler to create an edibles brand that um, we never launched uh, for, for a host of different reasons. So I think we, we sort of knew intuitively that like consumers in California are knowledgeable and they're more connoisseurs in that they've had access to quality flour for decades and they don't want to overspend, and they're not really driven by hype. But as the market evolved and flushed out, uh, it's probably only been the past 18 months that we've really seen the success of Lolo, you know, okay. delivering on that brand promise. So you mentioned there's three flower brands. Yeah. Um, are there, do you have other product categories or are you? Uh, we, we, we don't. So we do. Yeah. Something. So take me through that decision because that yeah. decision in of itself is incredibly yeah. strategic. That's right. Yeah, again, and it, it comes from the fundamental belief that an acknowledgement that, listen, California is an incredibly difficult market to, to operate in. It's highly competitive. It's extremely fragmented. Uh, and the companies and the brands that are able to, you know, make it through are the ones that are focusing, you know, on the stuff that they do best and only that. Right. So if you think about the evolution in NorCal and you go back a few years where we were focused on all of the verticals effectively, uh, it was through the sort of trial and error and learnings that we realized we can't do everything. And if we just do the things that we do best, we, we, you know, we can build a real solid and sustainable business. And so that head head shift uh, and, and that the sort of strategic underpinnings of those decisions were we're being played out, you know, in, in 2020 and, and during COVID. Um, but it it sort of came through that experience. And we said, listen, let's again, let's focus on what we do best. We're not an edibles producer. Uh, we do some distribution for some, some vape companies. And that's been great. And that's been strategic. But our core focus is cultivating high-end indoor flower efficiently 
and, and effectively creating value that we pass on to the consumer by doing that every day. Which implicitly means you're going to have, you have to be patient, don't you? You have right. to be disciplined That's right. because it's, it's not, it's got to be hard sometimes to look at the charts of, you know, the, bev the growth in the beverage market, the growth in the edibles market, the growth in concentrates and go, well, these are, these are product categories that are obviously taking a piece out of flour. That's right. Um, but okay. You just right. stick but to I, your knitting. That's right. Yeah, no. And, and, and you're, and you're, and you know, I think you made a good point there. I think, you know, we and a lot of other companies in California were, were focused on scale and growth and doing everything with the view that we can figure it out, right? And I think we've all learned that. Mm, that's interesting. Yes. You, really, you really can't, right? In a market that's right. competitive, you know, you have to just do the thing you do best and invest your time, your energy, your capital, your resources into that. And, you know, you have a chance of, uh, of building something that has meaning. And the other thing I would say too, David, is that it is so early in the sector that you, you know, brands take time, right? I think there was this, I don't know, this maybe naive or misconception amongst operators that, you know, you could create a meaningful brand overnight. Yeah, it's really, really hard to do. I think, you, you know, to, to actually create brands that have meaningful customer loyalty, you know, time and consistency is an important component of that, of the, of the, of the recipe. And yes, there's the hype element and, and you do see some success with that every now and then, but fundamentally the Coca-Cola's, the Budweiser's, these brands that are iconic, they, they weren't created overnight. Right. Years and decades. And we are in the early stages of, of that in, in cannabis. Our view is that with Lolo, we found great product market fit we're able to leverage some of the things that we do really well to create that value. So we're really optimistic about what it can become, but we recognize it's, it's not a short game. It's, it's, it's a marathon. It's, it's funny. Like, as I'm listening to you talk, it's like, this is the story of cannabis. This isn't only the NorCal, like everything no. you've said, you came in hype, maybe not overplanned, figured, yep. Oh, it's, ca it's cannabis. We're going to make it's easy and all. Yep. And, and then over time you learned, Oh, it's a business. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Bringing value consistently, quality every day, doing it right, focus. Gee, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, that can work. Yeah. Um, we were talking to Doug Cortina, the co-founder and um, strategic board director of NorCal Cannabis Company, um, and getting a lesson in business 101, really, which is interesting because uh, it's gone full circle. It's funny, you know, you go in with business, you go around, you, you fool, and they go, wow, oh, yeah, that's what works. Um, <laughs> I want to change uh, topics because I find this what what's also interesting to me about NorCal. And now that I've talked to you for a little bit, it uh, it doesn't surprise me. You announced a focus more on becoming profitable as opposed to high rev, which mm -hmm. sounds like something that would come out of your mouth sure. now that I've talked to you. But talk to me about that decision and sure. what does that really mean in practical terms? Yeah. So, you know, I think what is... Uh, what is unique to cannabis in, you know, is that it is, it's, it's a real business, but it's federally illegal, right? And so if you look at the evolution of the sector and you go back to 2018 and 1718 were really the first time that cannabis companies had access to true capital, right? To, to, to meaningful amounts of capital. Right. And the focus, I think, on the investor side at that time was getting behind companies that were gonna be big, that were scaling, that were gonna have market share. And so 
collectively, I say we, the operators were all sort of focused on the same thing. How do I get as big as I can, as quickly as I can, attract more capital, get bigger? And I think what we all realized uh, as the markets evolved and kind of coming into the second half of 2020 was, you know, there isn't really that much capital available because again, it's federally illegal. So you don't have the traditional sources of, of growth equity available to these companies. And right. so we all sort of realized some of us sooner than others, that in order to, to make it, you're gonna to have to be self-sufficient, right? You're gonna to have to generate more cash every month than you spend. And if you don't, you're, you're gonna run out of money. And for better or worse, you know, the lack of institutional capital, which is gated by the federally legality, has forced companies to mature, I think a lot earlier in their evolution than, than they otherwise would, you know, and we were certainly in that category. Um, so was that sort of a sedu seduced by the Amazon model, the the Uber, yes. Uber model? You okay. And look, we yeah. were in San Francisco. We had a sure you're there B to C delivery network, which was losing significant money every month. But we felt it was a very strategic business vertical. We were probably the biggest retailer in California. We were doing three thousand deliveries every day. We were in markets from Sacramento all the way down to to, to Long Beach and in Orange County, and so. We saw the strategic value in that, and we could see startups all around us that were burning tremendous amounts of money, but creating significant shareholder value. Again, the intricacies of, of cannabis and the fact that it's federally illegal means that we didn't have access to right. the traditional sources of growth yeah. equity, those institutional investors that could look at that business model and say, yes, this is strategic, this is value additive, but you need a, a lot of money to get there, and, and we're excited to fund that. That wasn't a reality, and that necessitated a strategic pivot. What um, you mentioned, what is it that you feel like you weren't able to do because of that? So it's about, we weren't able to invest for growth, right? What, what we realized in- Like what aspects of your business could you feel you, you would have, if you had, if it wasn't federally, you feel you'd have more brands, you would be in beverage, you would have delivered more well, like what? Yeah, so it's because so it's, it's more of everything. Because, <laughs> because what we've realized through that sort of forced focus, right, mm. was that we are a better company for focusing on on what we do best, opposed to trying to do everything. If we rewound the tape and 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 cannabis was was made legal federally in 2017, and there were tons of capital, we we may have continued to to, to you know to, to focus on our B two C business. We may have develop more stores or bought more stores. But I think we're, we're a much better company for the fact that one, we didn't have that option. And so we had to put all of our eggs in one basket and make sure that that was as strong and uh, you know, as successful as we can. So I, I don't, I think we benefited from it. Um, oh, that's but, interesting. Yeah. Like a forced, uh, a forced, yeah. Um, yeah. forced focus, right? Yeah. You, forced focus. Well, not forced, but you know. And David, you see this in most businesses. I mean, it's, business is hard, right? You, you cannot do it. I've heard that. And everybody else, like it's, that? it's yeah. the truth. So, it yeah. so I, I think it was, it was forced upon us, the strategic pivot, but I think we're better for it and, and a better company as a result of it. Are there some, I don't know if this is an unfair question, but uh, we don't have a ton of time left and I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by sort of your approach to business and some of the learnings that went on. Are there any mistakes that you learned that you've learned from because you're you're in a unique position you've almost like seven seven years like you're almost a pioneer 
Yeah, so you're one of the few people years. who literally, and like I said, you lived the story of cannabis if you wanted to write the book now. Yeah. Uh, if you look back, what is it that you wish you knew then? Yeah, so, I mean, so much, right? And, and, uh, and I feel truly privileged for having been in the position that I, that I was in and the position that I am in and, and getting to play a meaningful role in, in shepherding this industry forward. Um, but, uh, you know, the learnings are, are extensive and they literally could fill a book. But I do, I, you know, one of the biggest things, and not to, to harp on this point, but it's the realization and recognition that business is extremely difficult. And if you're gonna, if you're going to excel, you know, you have to be focused. You have to be laser focused on what it is you do best. And the idea that you can do everything is, is a bit of a fallacy. Yeah. At least we, 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 we couldn't do everything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you should have, you should have called me. I, I can do everything. Yeah, I should have. I should have. Well, now, 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 you know, you're no. set. Oh, we should the next board meeting, earlier, David. The next board meeting, you're, um, <laughs> Very quickly, like last thing, because uh, uh, again, you're in a unique position. If you had to look, when you wake up, what's the hardest part of your job as a, as someone on the strategy side of cannabis? Sure. Yeah. So the, the roles obviously evolved going from you know founding the company and being the CEO to, to taking more of a, a focus on the board and looking at strategy and M&A and, and new markets and, and business development. But I think broadly speaking, the most challenging aspect of, of my job today and historically has been, you know, like building the plane as we're flying in it, right? This is a mm. the regulatory environment, both at the state and the federal level is incredibly fluid. The capital markets are incredibly fluid. One day they're here and, and tomorrow they're completely shut off. So you, you come up with a great strategy, a well thought through business plan, and then you realize how many things are outside of your control. And it's a constant you know, it's, a, it's constantly, has been constantly necessary to refocus. And, and that's been a challenge for sure. And that's, I guess, where you said that has to be baked into your plan. Yeah, you which have is to true know. of most businesses, but you, you have to know that no matter what you right. plan for, right. you're going to have to pivot. And right. in this industry, it's just more acute because of all of the things that we mentioned. Right. So you need the resources to pivot. You need the mindset. You need right. all that. That's interesting. That's right. Um, I could uh, talk, I have a, so many more questions, but unfortunately we've run out of time. Uh, Doug Cortina, co-founder, strategic board director of NorCal Cannabis Company. Um, check them out at norcalcan.com. That's uh, nor, N-O-R-C-A-L-C-A-N-N.com. And learn a little bit more about this super fascinating company. I really, Doug, I really appreciate your time and, and your candor. Thank uh, you, David, I appreciate uh, you. About the, the story. Uh, and. Um, and we will be back uh, with more of The Business of Cannabis. The Business of Cannabis is brought to you by CashTech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, CashTech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call CashTech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. This is the business of cannabis. The business of cannabis is also sponsored by Cashtech, a proud team of partners. <laughs>
cash that's over 40 years in the cash management space, has made it the nation's number one cash management service called Cash Tech, and then make sure you have the right equipment, software, and service package. Go to cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. And welcome back to the business of cannabis. Is it my favorite part of the show? I'm going to say it because I'm talking to Matt Cook. Invite you back because you're right there and you're listening. <laughs> Matt here to uh, who's been listening to what Shiroz Macarecci of Plat America and Doug Cortina of NorCal Cannabis Company had been saying at the top of the show, uh, which you didn't hear. Um, I said this sounds it's somewhat a, a tale of two business models. You know, Shiroz talked about compassionate capitalism. Can a charitable sort of model work in the business environment? Because at the end of the day, if they don't sell these things, sell her product, these little small um, pre-rolls, then it's pointless. There's nothing to give to charity. There's nothing to give to fight uh, racism. Uh, Doug Cortina says, no, we're going to focus on, on, on um, profits. We, we're not, it's not going to be that high growth, high revenue model the Uber model or the, the Wayfair model or the, or the Amazon model? Um, and do they risk being, you know, in 10 years, are they going to be left behind uh, because other companies have grabbed the market share? What's your take on two completely different approaches to the cannabis space? Yes. And, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could uh, all prioritize the good of the world um, at the expense of profits. Um, and it, it, I don't know, it's, it's a very, it's a, Plat America is a very interesting model and I totally, uh, I'm behind it. 100%. There's nothing not to love the idea. There's nothing not to like. Uh, of course, who would be stop donating money and helping inequality. Yeah. We're um, all, but uh, the other, the other players don't have to cooperate. And so yeah. how, and, you know, is this, can you issue. connect to the, yeah. Can, is that enough to connect to the consumer? I think that's it's what I would to connect to connect with a certain type of consumer, hundred percent. I mean, people at the end of the day are going to like what they're going to like. Um, if they like it and it does some good, fantastic. I think that's a benefit. Um, are people going to go out of their way? A certain percentage of the population will. A tiny, uh, yeah. I mean, but it's it, you know you're looking at um, you know a. a you're not looking at the masses. So I'm not sure that this is going to, um, I, I think it'll do some good. I definitely think people are going to get on board with it. I'm just, I'm not sure the, uh, the magnitude. Yeah, some real micro focused marketing, which of yeah, course I mean, requires some money, could really create a, um, a loyal following. And that could become an engine. Starbucks. Look at Starbucks, for example. They promote fair trade coffee. Um, Yeah. I go to Starbucks. Um, Sure, it's great that it's fair trade, but I just want my, you know, venti America. Venti. (laughs) Because I'm a big guy. Right. Um, So, you know, again, it's, it's great. And I think about it, you know, if, I see marketing for it or if someone mentions it, but you know, it's not the main driver of my purchase. So then it comes back to, you know, the quality of the, of the product. Right. And am I coming for that? And then this is a benefit. 
that will win out over uh, a you know product that's not as strong and uh, I'm buying it yeah. just I'd rather just give the money to charity yeah they're 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 not going to win on quality of product alone and that's a given no given the nature of the product it has the product has to coexist with their marketing position it's great to have a position so there's something to that mm-hmm. but they don't have to worry about how do how do I create an image in the consumer's mind? What could be mm-hmm. more clear? So yeah. that's cool. Um, and then, well, let's jump to and then contrast it with with NorCal, which you mm-hmm. know a, a relatively successful company already that's saying we're not going to grow as much as we're going to make money, which is easy to say. And over the mm-hmm. long term, who who's to say if they're saying we're just going to be in the second here we're not we're not going across the country with this um yet it's a fairly aggressive robust company um trying to balance that line the one the one thing that's uh, never ceased to amaze me in my you know in my career dealing with business owners is how profitable and how much money some companies make that you you will never hear of in a million years and and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you look at the Ubers and the and the Amazons of the world. I mean, Uber still hasn't turned a profit. Amazon didn't turn a profit for 20 years um, mm. because they were in hyper growth mode. Same with companies like you know Salesforce.com. There's a million of them. Um, and you can run a very good business that grows profitably. If you're targeting a certain EBITDA, for example, then that's going to dictate your growth, your growth rate, right? Right. Um, You're not gonna overinvest to to get that top line number because you're only concerned about the bottom line. It just changes the way you manage the company. It changes the way you manage the business. It changes the decisions that you make. Um, And again, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I'd love to run a very profitable company that's, you know, making 10 million one year and 10.5 million the next year. Right. And, and 10.5. That's, that's a good business. It, it's yeah, it's a good business. It's, it's uh, it maybe speaks to some changing realities in the cannabis space. And, and then mm-hmm. we just have to track it. And the companies who are still focused on the, maybe an older model, the, uh, the, the, the early model, of, of grow, 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 they still might win out over, over the day. This could be sort of a blip uh, or I mean, no, slow and steady, does, it truly does, does win the race. Well, with new industries, typically there is a first mover advantage, right? The, the first people to market, but that, you know, it's kind of like a, a marathon, right? In the beginning, everyone's out of the gate and everyone's in contention. Right. right. It's, it's, it's about mile two or three that everything kind of sorts itself out. And, oh, you know. Yeah. We seem to be maybe not mile two or three. We maybe we're like six, uh, seven, eight miles into it. Like, yeah. You, like you're yeah. definitely people ahead, but you're not. And some people are you out of the I, race. We're out of the race. You and I are already out of the we're race. We're out of the race. It's we've, not happening. We've sprained ankles. Yeah. <laughs> I might have just. Oh, it, it just, it's about, it's about finishing for us. Right. Uh, but those of those, those people who really wanted to win, uh, there, there's, there's some spreading, but it, it's not over yet because you can still get tired at mile 20. You haven't hit the wall yet. So, 100%. you know, we've got a few years for that. Uh, I th- and that's enough of that analogy. And maybe we'll, we'll, we'll end it there. Um, <laughs> uh, so I want to thank uh, Matt Cook, of course, for uh, sharing his comments, uh, as always. 
Um, and thank you to uh, Shiroz Makarechi of Plat America and Doug Cortina, NorCal Cannabis Company, for taking time to talk to us. I hope you enjoyed uh, the conversations with them. I, um, and you think through the, in, in your own business, uh, what is my business model and how true are you being to it? It just requires a tremendous amount of discipline um, to, to, to stay on course. Um, also thank uh, Cash Tech Currency and Shima uh, for uh, helping to sponsor the show. Uh, cash Tech uh, for your cash management needs and, and Shima uh, produces the hardware that counts all that cash and keeps it safe. Um, I'm Dave Sky, your host. Of, uh, and, and be well until uh, next week uh, when we'll bring more uh, stories from the cannabis front lines. Uh, and this is the business of cannabis. <laughs>